You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And we're going into number three of the Terminator franchise. But before we go right into Rise of the Machines, who's our special guest? Hi, my name is Ashley Nickel. <laughs> She's <laughs> and back. I am, I'm back. <laughs> and it's not Star Wars this time. But it's still a sci-fi franchise. <laughs> Absolutely. I would have never guessed in my life that like I was going to be heavily featured on sci-fi <laughs> well, we for didn't. any kind of podcast. <laughs> it's not like we sat down one day and Matt and I were like, wouldn't it be great if we just put her on all sci-fi <laughs> Nope. Nope. It's just, just like, here it is. You're now officially the special guest for all sci-fi franchises. I guess it's just like my inner calling <laughs> that needed to happen. Ashley and Matt, so what do you do when you're not on Analog Jones? Oh my god. Well, we do have another podcast. Uh, it's called The AF High List. Where we get very stoned and we are watching the 100 Greatest American Films on The AF High List from 1998. So there's a lot of prestigious films, and it's almost too heady for our stone brains. Yeah, so it's night from 1998. Are you telling me that Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, isn't on that list? <laughs> Dude, T2 is not on that list, and we all know it's the best movie of all time. <laughs> That's always where those types of lists just piss me off, because you yeah. know it's it's just people completely out of touch. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Okay. I don't know, maybe not completely out of touch, but I think there's too many out of touch voters. We have, um, we just like hit our 50 episode mark and we kind of like have been having a lot of conversations just about like this list that they created as its own thing. And we're just kind of disillusioned with it. We're very critical of it because we're like, what is the decision making process for these great movies? Yeah, so we just question. did. We just did like an hour podcast sort of looking at that. Like, so that'll be our next episode coming out. Uh, we just sort of looking at the 50 and it's like, what's the rubric here? And what's, why are some things on the list and some others? And why are some choices this way? And why are some choices this way? Uh, so if you want to listen to a stone for an hour, use about uh, the 51st films on the list. Take a look at our next episode coming out soon. Yeah. But yeah, we get stoned and talk about nerdy stuff like that. That's the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just talk about nerdy stuff minus the weed. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have not listened to it, Steve is on an episode and it is Star Wars, of course. <laughs> and I hope so, I'm on an episode in the bottom 50. <laughs> oh, I hope we can have guests in the future as well. <laughs> I know. It's just like the weed aspect is like an extra layer that is, it makes it difficult. Plus we kind of like when we have guests on, you know, we, we make a day of it. It's like, we get them high, we give them food and then we, <laughs> and then we like, you know, take another two hours or whatever to record afterwards. So like, it's a whole thing and that's hard to do in Corona world. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> maybe past this, we'll be able to get guests on and do that whole spread again. <laughs> well, in your top 50, what has been your 
favorite film and what has been your favorite to review? God, that's 50 minutes or 50 minutes. See, I can't even. Uh-oh. 50 movies and like I've been stoned for every single one of them. What's your most memorable then, I guess? Mm, do I have a memory of any of them? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's been there's been so many good like uh moments that have come up in almost every episode, like stuff that like we really want to symbolize the podcast uh, in every episode. Uh, we've had moments, but like favorites, it's tough. Cause like you know, some of my favorite episodes probably aren't my favorite movies and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my favorite movies are always going to be the nerdy stuff or the horror stuff like psychos on the list and Frankenstein's on the list and yeah. uh, star Wars is on the list. So of course those are like favorite movies of mine, but like some of my favorite episodes have been just like, like I, it was fun to roast and bully uh, Annie Hall, you know. So <laughs> that was not a favorite episode of mine. It's not a favorite episode, no. But it's it was fun to do that. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of tech issues for that episode, but um, I would say like early on in the list, I had a blast doing The Godfather because that's like such an iconic movie, and even recently, uh, later on the list, it's in the forties, uh, Jaws, because we got to watch Jaws during like the quarantine which was very insane in its parallels. So it just lended to a bigger conversation. And I think that Jaws proves time and time again, like no matter how many decades go by, it's like a really interesting movie to talk about. I love Jaws. Jaws is such a great movie. But Ashley, are you ready for Terminator 3? I guess I wasn't that ready for this specific title. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, You you lucked into this one. Oh, I lucked in short, in quotes. Yeah, and before we give our wah wah, <laughs> Matt, introduce what we're watching. We're watching Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. The life you know, all the stuff you take for granted, it's not going to last. Imagine a world of permanent darkness where machines control man's destiny. Imagine you were the only one who could stop it. But before you do, something terrible has to happen. You are about to fail that mission. No! You don't have to do this. 
Terminator 3, 11 years after Terminator 2. That's such a long period of time. And with a sequel that I guess everyone was asking for, uh, (laughs) but didn't quite uh, deliver on anything. Well, I think everyone was asking for a sequel. We just weren't asking for this. (laughs) But be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Because they did give it to us. Yes, we did get a T3. But for better or worse. I guess let's just talk about the... <laughs> do you want to get straight into the box art here? Or... Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, It's just Arnold's face. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm staring at it right now inside uh, in Google's... Even Google seems like it kind of is frowning upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just Arnold's face. Uh, Kind of Terminator East uh, exoskeleton and oh. shadows with like the... The silver band around the top and bottom of the uh, VHS, and that's it. Just Arnold's Terminator face. It's almost that, like I don't know, the marketing for this one. It <laughs> you could tell it was not going to be the best because they're leaning heavy on like the image of the Terminator, because it's not truly about him in the movie. It's never about him. Right. It's, yeah, it's like it's a John Connor movie. But, it's but like, 11 years, they need yeah. Arnold on that box cover. Right. Yeah, no kidding. They're like, well, yeah. we can make a T3, but, you know, it's got to be with Arnold. Everyone knows this, right? And they're like, well, okay, as long as he agrees to everything. All right, so you described the lame front, Matt. What's the description on the back? Even even lamer on the back. Uh, there's barely a description. So if you don't know what this movie is about, uh, Terminator 3 specifically, you won't know what it's about after I read this here. Utterly spectacular. The best action film of the year from CNN. Arnold Schwarzenegger is back as a time-traveling T-101 Terminator in this smash hit directed by Jonathan Mostow with dazzling effects, bravura thrills, and a story that boldly spins into the unexpected, this is an event spectacle to see and see again. And that's it. What? Yeah, I, I like quick <laughs> quick ones, but uh, that one was just like, first of all, the best movie, the best action film of 2003. Really? You know, maybe, because I don't have a list in front of me. Oh, somebody get that list of Two, stuff. 2003, yeah, Matrix Reloaded came out, mm. and I think that was a better movie action film i'd rather watch it (laughs) um oh my gosh well this is just like a random thing i've never i've only seen matrix the first one so if you guys want to take a dip into that kind of sci-fi franchise (laughs) (laughs) oh take a look at the matrix films yeah all right we'll schedule you for the matrix films at some point (laughs) yeah and by the way you started this (laughs) (laughs) i know i i feel like i always do so i'm I'm just wondering yeah but i'm gonna pull up 2003 july box office oh my gosh oh no lord of the rings the two towers <gasps> that was in january i'm sorry uh but it was probably still in theaters by <laughs> yeah yeah let's see we've got and um, i was at the theaters pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl came out that was a week huge. later huge yeah that was better than this film <laughs> bad boys 2 came out two weeks later yeah yeah oh the hulk mm, or the bad mm, one the bad that one was bad yeah. though that was that was two weeks before, and we had Charlie's Angels full throttle. 
I saw that at the movie or that the drive-in. <laughs> yeah, nice. So I would say the movies that like challenged it was Too Fast, Too Furious. We had Finding uh-huh. Nemo, Hulk, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, Matrix Reloaded, but that came out like two months before Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, Bad Boys 2, and Spy Kids 3D Game Over, also with American Wedding. That's interesting that there's so many continuations of franchises in just this year alone. Yeah, there's some twos and threes. Yeah, it looks like the 90s continuation year. <laughs> yeah, I think that is what 2003 kind of was. It, it was just a lot of sequels to 90s stuff. And it a lot of them were like this, where they were misguided. Uh, <laughs> Um, but like a lot of the ones you just listed were pretty good though but like i think there were like a lot of kind of like this and like hulks and like spy kids 3d where we were just like okay don't need to do these (laughs) well it was a sporadic year 2003 of good stuff because you had matrix reloaded x2 lord of the rings the return of the king wow it had wait did the return of the king and two towers come out the same year no but I've two towers might have still been in theaters, though. Return yeah. of the King was okay. Christmas. This is messed up. So how this is done is totally messed up because they've. I did it by gross um, amount of money. And mm-hmm. Our our dates of the last ones I did, but when I do this by gross, it lists the Return of the King twice. So oh my gosh, was that movie released twice in this? Oh, that's what it is. Lord of the Rings, it's got listed twice here because it has two release dates. December 21st, 2003 and December 28th, 2003. What? It's because it's too big to be contained. <laughs> I guess one's probably international, one's domestic. I, that's my best guess. I don't think it's the best. I think uh, that description on the back is completely lying because I could look really quickly and just find Too Fast, Too Furious, better. Oh, honestly, um, yeah, and that's a shitty movie too. Yeah, but yeah. it's better. <laughs> it doesn't have like a lasting quality to it, but yeah, it was better for, at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I like after I said that, I was like, "Are you for sure about this, Steve?" And I'm like, "No, no, stick with it. Double down, <laughs> double down." Well, I guess that's all the positives because now we're about to get into the. Well, <laughs> we have trailers. Kind, kind of. of. <laughs> Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. I, this is so weird to me. I've never had a movie have oh, two trailers. And it's just two commercials for a video game. Kind of based. One is definitely based off the movie. And the other one is kind of based off the movie. Yeah, there are two, two video games. Both which tout are the first video game that you could play as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and... They, one is like War of the Machines and one is Rise of the Machines. A decade ago, the most advanced killing machine ever created prevented Judgment Day. But the future is not set. Get down. The machines will rise and war will never be the same. And one seems to be like a direct adaptation of the movie as a game and one seems to be just like its own terminator game long trailers a lot of just gameplay walking around footage they show mm-hmm. um yeah there's very strange no movies no like anything else no music videos no nothing else we were seeing at this time on 
other VHSs, just these two random weird game trailers. But yeah, these were Gone. this was like a, about four minutes of trailer, so probably like two minutes each for the previews, and I still wanted to like fast forward. Yeah, it was too long. Uh, the both trailers were too long. I was bored. I was like, what? <laughs> trailers are usually my favorite part, and like this was uh, a snooze. Yeah, so that's that's it. All we had on the previews. So let's go into our feature presentation. And now our feature presentation. Well, here it is: Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. And I can tell you right when this movie starts off, uh, you know, you find out it's ten years after T two, pretty quickly. I don't know when, but you know, you I, find out John Connor's off the grid. I feel like there's a lot of things you just kind of are expected to know and like they're kind of revealed through the whole thing i don't know i truly don't know what was going on this entire movie <laughs> well, it does it seems to like build on the existing mythology mm -hmm. but then also do too much of its own mythology so then i just get them crossed and kind of confused and i'm like wait and i think one of the biggest things biggest sort of hurdles this movie has to overcome is that the whole thing of the first two movies is there's no fate but what we make it and now with this movie we've decided oh fate's a thing and it's inevitable mm -hmm. and it's so weird to go from the two movies where that is really the theme of a lot of it and now we're just throwing that out the window to do our own thing and i don't and i i totally understand you got to build to make a sequel you got to make it stand out you've got to do your own thing for sure but i don't know this one its own decisions are all pretty they almost try to negate the originals and i don't like that <laughs> now this entire movie is a craptastic piece of shit like I, I, i'm saying i'm just drawing fire right away i'm just shooting right for the head this entire movie needs to be skipped because yeah we got it even if like fate's not what you make it i don't care about how kate and john <laughs> survived the nuclear holocaust i only care about what happens next mm -hmm. this feels like a prologue in a book yeah they like choose to use the entire movie to focus on a day that does not matter in the grand scheme of things it, it does matter because they are saved but like how many other battles are more interesting right yeah like the this is exactly it's how did they survive judgment day but it's like but i don't want to see how they survive judgment day i want to see them either fighting in judgment day or before that you know what i mean so you're telling me that this t101 in the future killed john connor and his future wife sent him back yes. that's the thing yes why not show us that and also too uh, let's get into this <laughs> He sent him back because he was a killer and he was reprogrammed to be a good Terminator or whatever. And it's a face that John Connor recognizes, but it's a different Terminator. However, sometimes this Terminator remembers stuff from T2 and sometimes doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. There's no explanation for why that is. <laughs> exactly. Like when he gets in the truck, uh, he like looks for the keys up inside of the visor. Which and is something like, from mm -hmm. two. Okay, yeah. so he has memories from the T-800 in 1991. But then the rest of the time, it seems like he doesn't understand. Like, he has no personality like the T-2 Terminator, uh, you know, developed over the time with interactions with John. 
And it's funny because like, they, I don't know. Yeah, it's your thing. Like they, they kind of completely go against like things that have been established, but they almost want to cling to it so much because I believe John Connor yells at him at one point. He's like, well, you're supposed to do everything that I say because that's what happened when I was a child. You know, like he came back. And all that stuff. And then we find out he can only respond to what the wife says or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, why, yeah, the selective memory thing. If he was almost reprogrammed like two times or something. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not the same exact one because right. there's different models. But like, can some scientists explain from the future what the like robot mental chip is for their brains because they sometimes remember things other that other ones had <laughs> right. happened to right what is the science fiction there <laughs> yeah yeah and then also too just like terminator here like arnold here is almost back to the beginning again where he's just nothing but this entire movie he he's just nothing. remains nothing he has no personality whatsoever he's not interesting and it like breaks my heart to say that because I love Arnold and I love Arnold movies and I love the first two Terminator movies so much. And he's he's nothing. He's a blank slate in the first one. And he's supposed to be because he's the villain. But this one, he's still supposed to be a good guy. And he's got no charisma, no charm whatsoever. He looks like he's sleeping through this movie. And I wonder if Arnold was just fucking bored every day on set of this or something. Well, I think the thing was, is he wanted James Cameron and him to do this they they are buddies in a weird way i don't think they're like hang out at a bar and drink buddies but i think they're professional every, buddies yeah and i think every time they see each other they're like okay it's time to go to camp they had such a blast doing t1 t2 and true lies and i i think it was arnold's like okay i want one more time with james with jim i'm sure he calls him jim because they're from jimmy uh he's like i want one more time with jim and you know Jim Cameron's like, I've told my story and I'm just, I'm done with the franchise. And then, you know, you kind of get this and then you get all these writers on mm. this. You've got three screenwriters. It's ridiculous. That's a nightmare. It's like a cocktail for disaster because like the writing in this movie, the people have like no emotional... I have no connection to any character and I, and I feel so bad. Like what a waste of space Claire Danes is for this. And I love Claire Danes, mm -hmm. but she is just picked up, carried and looks staring in horror the entire movie. Yeah. Claire Danes is like annoying in this movie. Well, and they I, don't give her anything to do. Exactly. And I typically don't, I kind of, I don't know. I, I kind of don't like when people point out like annoying characters in movies. Cause like, you don't know what, you know, we don't know what happened. The performance, the writing, you know, whatever, you don't know. But truly like Claire Danes' character is annoying. And I do think it comes from the writers. Cause I've seen Claire Danes give good performances before. Yeah. Uh, so I know this is from just a shitty script. I think she did the best she could for the emptiness of a script that she was given. Right. And, yeah. and then even, even, even John Connor, like he, even oh, Nick Stahl like in him. this movie recast. I mean, it's hilarious that he was probably recast because of Eddie Furlong's problems. But we all know now that Nick Stahl has had his fair share of problems after he went missing for a while and stuff like that. So they replaced one sort of problematic person with another. Uh, but then, yeah, they don't give him anything to do either. And they're just sort of relying on our love of Eddie Furlong's uh, mm -hmm. John Connor to give this John Connor any characterization, but they give us nothing new, nothing interesting. They just give him a love interest, and that's sort of it. But it's not even romantic because it's like, oh, well, we're going to be married someday. 
Yeah, because we're the last two people left, so it's just a marriage of convenience. Hi, lady. My big Terminator is going to pick you up and carry you around. Also, your fiance's dead, and you're my future wife. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? That, that is you're my thing. wife now. The impact of events don't seem to honestly matter matter to the <laughs> characters like it happens and they ha make a facial expression and then they keep going yes like when you're you see well she doesn't actually see her fiance die but you know the terminator's coming as her fiance and then for some reason turns into ta tx like half a football field away from her when that's I was, what we were yelling at the screen yeah like, giving uh, her plenty of time to run away <laughs> and plenty of time for the terminator to get right in front of them with like a hearse and you know, smack the uh, TX in the face with a rocket. But, but anyway, you know, you you find out the levity in that situation should be massive. It mm -hmm. should just crush her. This is the love. I mean, Im imagine Ashley, Matt. Just you don't even get to see him die or say goodbye to him. He's I would gone. I would be killing everyone. Yeah, and, and like <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to portray her as numb, but they don't do it. So it's me filling in gaps for the script, which is really bad. Yeah, there's like a numbness there that she does the entire time. It's like any time that someone is hurt, any time that the TX is after her, she doesn't understand. It's like her brain never adapts to the situation. And like literally she sees her fiance and then it transforms. But it's like you don't know she's dead or, or her fiance is dead. But then you get into the car and then Arnold Schwarzenegger is just like your fiance is dead and then they just drive away that that's it we don't know her yeah she never takes time to yeah like really like roll with the punches of the situation mm -hmm. it's like at some point you stop freaking out about seeing Terminators and you become a badass when you <laughs> see them you know if you see them five or six times you're like okay these exist I have to deal with it now somehow but this character never does. She's almost like shocked as if she's seeing a Terminator for the first time every time she sees one. <laughs> and are they only together in the future because they're just stuck in a bunker and they fuck? Yeah, is that the only because reason Because I feel no sense of warmth or understanding or connection between John Connor and her in well, they, this movie. They kissed in like Kripke's basement yeah. uh, when they were in seventh grade together. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it feels like just the script of this coming together with her. They're like, okay, look, here she is weak. Now she is getting stronger. Look, she shoots an aerial Terminator. We've done her story arc, screenwriting over. You know, like that's, it feels like this is so robotic and so cold. So it you hit is. it right there with their relationship. But you know what freaks me out in this? is they fired the original Kate Brewster, Sophie Bush, because they didn't have chemistry. And by they, I mean um, her and Nick Stahl. So they called this chemistry. Yeah, that's what scares me is like, how bad was the first week of shooting with Sophie well, Bush? Maybe they should have swapped out a John Connor because. Yeah, I think that's your problem then. <laughs> I, I truly cannot think of any moment in the movie where I see him as like a figurehead or like, yeah. or the central of the plot. He feels almost like a whiny child, which is crazy because I feel as if Eddie Furlong in T2, that child is more prepared to lead an army than this whiny 20 year old <laughs> because he seems very he's erratic he throws things and stuff and like i guess people could say like oh that relates to the eddie furlong eddie furlong was a child yeah 
it's like, yeah, they watched the first one and just wrote that character so, based on that, but not give him 10 years of any experience yeah, and or anything. if you think about it, he was raised by a just beast of a woman. And by beast, yes. I mean she was one of the most powerful characters. Forget powerful women put on screen. One of the most powerful characters put on screen. You are raised by someone that can do yeah. anything. Even though she, you know, Sarah Connor has her limitations overcame everything and became such a powerful character and her then, determination yeah, far succeeds yeah so many ways we can describe her and then you have a child where he's like uh judgment day didn't came i'm off the grid whatever <laughs> like you're like okay, truly and the song? it's nauseating how like they just say like oh well she died they, and that's it. They don't explain. Do they explain ever why they just open up her coffin and there's guns in it? I, I what does think that she mean? Had leukemia or cancer, but that's the thing. It's just like a, a throwaway line. You're like, oh, one of the greatest characters of this franchise. She died. Oh, you're telling me that go. the strongest woman that exists in this universe just like quietly passed on by leukemia and the 1997. Uh, judgment day never happened like there's a lot more to dive in there that they are just ignoring completely and that's why i'm pissed because they like try to cling on to the past but refuse to acknowledge it absolutely <laughs> like i don't i don't understand i yeah i don't understand its connections and then it, it's pushing away from the originals i don't understand that that got me <laughs> Yeah, it's talking out of both sides of its mouth. It's just like we're making our own movie, establishing our own, you know, version of the franchise. But at the other side, don't worry, everyone, we're still doing this. You know, like, uh, are you guys just doing this crap where you're like, let's throw in the lines for the old people, you know? Right. And this is like kind of like with so many of these franchises where they want to establish their own view of it or their own vision. But at the same time, they're doing so much old crap. I think that like something that we should talk about for a second is like the comparison of all of the villains so far, because you have the first film is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the Terminator. He's the villain. And he is epic as fuck in the first mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, you have Robert Patrick just be... I remember when I saw this for the first time, which was actually not too... Now it's about a decade ago when I saw it. <laughs> but... um. Like Robert Patrick was this presence that I'm sure you guys talked about in the second episode, but he's like a, a looming presence and it feels like there's some kind of countdown in time while he's chasing them. Mm. It's like, the, it's always, they have to keep moving for this number three, the villain in this, the TX, I cannot stand this model of Terminator. She is so lackluster. There's nothing there. Yeah, it made me even question too, like why, you know, with this sequel, with like five, when, with like six, why every Terminator movie past two's villain, besides Salvation, has to just be a riff on the T-1000 mm -hmm. instead of just doing like a new crazy kind of Terminator. Like they, they were doing a female Terminator this time. Interesting. Give her something to do. Mm -hmm. But they're like, no, she's just a T-1000, but with like gun hands, and that's kind of it. That's all they give her. Mm -hmm. And then, like, also, too, like you were saying, like, he's, like, T-1000's a looming threat. For this, there's really, there's only three action set pieces in this entire movie. It's the chase, 
the graveyard scene and then when they get to the facility that has mm-hmm. is housing skynet or whatever that's it there's three i mean they're long action sequences it's still a fairly long movie or whatever the shortest one of all the movies though so far um but uh, there's a reason <laughs> but there's only three set pieces even two where like the tx has anything to do to mm-hmm. go get them yeah what always gets me is like this movie has a setup for a ticking clock where you should constantly feel like oh, oh my gosh we gotta we gotta do this we gotta do this to get here and we don't have time to do this but we have to do it you know where you kind of get that pressure on the characters I never felt like the ticking clock or the pressure on Mm-mm. the characters were ever really applied. There's no leverage put on their on their doom. It's, it's just wild. Uh, they they tell you like 20 minutes into the movie, we've got to get you to a bunker because mm-hmm. I've got to save you. Okay, let's go. And then at the end of the movie, everything's done. J- they tell you the end of the movie 20 minutes in and there's no surprise. Yeah, and so like what Judgment Day is going to happen at 618 or whatever. It's funny because I think this is the biggest example of like a messy script because instead of like building up that anxiety and that sense of time and pressure, they are literally telling and not showing. They are telling us that they are going to end up in a bunker by the end. Arnold tells us, sorry, I just call him Arnie because like we we, we good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the Terminator, Terminator, he like tells us that when it's going to start. And they're like, in the bunker, like, whoa, he was right. (laughs) And I'm like, then you guys, if you guys weren't aware that that is what was happening, then that means they were not feeling the pressure of the scenario. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming Arnie was okay (laughs) with this shitty script and this terrible opening of how his characters revealed because the sheer fact they paid him $30 million, a record amount at the time. I looked that up and like this movie also got a ridiculous budget. It was like the most something, like the most money ever given to a movie. Yeah, and the budget is kind of BS too because they said the budget ended up being like 180 something. But it's on what? (laughs) Like, what did they use the money for? Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Actors, I guess. Uh, But 30 is only for him. So, like, where's the other hundred million dollars? I'm assuming the shooting locations were. You know, just I, I don't know. They just had the most expensive <laughs> everything. You yeah. Know? But what gets me is like, so this is run by a kind of really shady German production companies, mm-hmm. which inter, um, yeah, intermedia, which the movie Alexander killed this entire place, but it didn't actually die. It just turned into something else because they're so shady. You can never really truly figure out what their budgets are. And even mm-hmm. C2 Pictures, which died after Basic Instinct 2 and the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Well, they did Sarah Connor Chronicles Season 1, and they did Basic Instinct 2. If I That's amazing. Went, we just watched Basic Instinct 2. Well, if you go down a rabbit hole, which <laughs> I did on Basic Instinct 2, basically no one knows how much that movie cost to make. That's crazy. Because these German companies, C2 Pictures especially, they're so shady and weird, they're like, tax shelters for these German other German companies that have ties into it mm-hmm. that I just went down this rabbit hole of how like completely crazy these companies were making these movies for outlandish amount of money like Alexander what was that movie like 120 150 million it was stupid it's and- funny that like basic instinct too that totally like goes up with our thing of talking about how like there is this like 
need to make money on some kind of nostalgia because like Basic Instinct was like a very popular movie and they're like let's make a part two but again it's the same thing as like this where it's that the Terminator 3 was 11 years later and Basic Instinct was like 14 years later it's like too early to do like a full nostalgia thing and too late to just do like a direct sequel. You know, like 20 years is I think your good point to do like kind of a nostalgia sequel. And they didn't, they weren't quite there yet. And yeah, then they, but that 14 years later, nobody gives a shit about the Basic Instinct mm-hmm. franchise anymore. Just like Terminator, it was like, oh, 11 years later, we're finally getting another Terminator. And it's like, oh, this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, to, to capture the momentum of the last movie, you have to do it within like five years. Mm-hmm. To capture the nostalgia, you probably have to wait 15 to 20, most likely 20. Yeah. So you had that dead zone from like year, let's say 10 to like, 15 where it's truly like there's no momentum but there's no nostalgia and i feel like how long was this it was 91 to 2003 yeah so i think it was like 11 years like between production it's the perfect dead zone where you shouldn't do it but they had been trying to make this sequel for so long and the rights had been like i mean well um, there was so much bankruptcy around that time and it was a carloco went bankrupt fox tried to buy it that didn't work Miramax tried to get the rights to the sequels that didn't work and then somehow WB gets it with Columbia TriStar like doing the international distributors and these are two monster distributors coming up with two super shady production companies I wonder how the hell that happened money <laughs> money it's gotta be, yeah money it's just like panic and money because if everybody was going under, you know, they're like, well, we have to like keep <laughs> it's that crazy thing. It's like we got to pass this like dead on arrival idea because of everything that's going around and just keep passing it off to other people. And then it loses its charm and value over time. And then it clearly like we get a fourth one, which kind of ignores some stuff. So it's like they're almost scrapping the whole thing anyways. Yeah, like four is this, is kind of a safety where it like it does kind of follow some stuff from three, but like is also acting as a prequel to the first one. So they can just sort of act within those parameters instead. Which of- I think is a better move. But this one, I don't know, like, yeah, changing the rules like we're past. I don't understand like why they wouldn't just set it in 1997. Yeah. They didn't have to do like, well, uh, it's not, we, we didn't make the movie in 97. So judgment day can't happen. It's like, well, you're from the future. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like literally with the (laughs) rules of this movie, you literally can do whatever you want. It's a movie. It's imagination. (laughs) None of this is real. You can literally write the story as it is meant to be told. Yeah. It's just, you know, all these producers, all these writers getting into a room and then just putting this Frankenstein story together. But I mean, I I guess I'll go more into like, I want to point out two things I really can't stand this movie. And then I'm going to be nice (laughs) and I'm going to point out two things that I like. All right. So this was tough to do on the like department. Yeah, it was like, wow, what two things does he like about this? (laughs) Well, I'm sure you can kind of guess overarching if you know my opinion on movies, what... (laughs) sure i'm going to look at but number one the introduction of the t-800 arnold schwarzenegger mr arnie where he goes into a ladies night male strip club joint you're supposed to go around to the back 
Hey, I said you're supposed to go. I really feel like they just don't understand why James Cameron's approach to the story on number one and number two is so cool and interesting. He made these short scenes in T1 and T2, the introduction, pretty much anchor the entire character for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And in T3, the introduction of the T-800 is weird because he walks into the place and threatens no one. Well, I guess he does like knock the front guy out of the way. But the reason in T1 he killed him is because he was a machine that does not give a shit. T2, he beat the crap out of him but didn't have to kill him because he got what he wanted. And T3, they're just like, wouldn't it be funny? That's what I feel like the entire scene was written on by someone going, wouldn't it be funny? Yeah. And yeah, that's no, so annoying. So much of this movie is like, it, this movie, for better or worse, is very 2003. It is very of its time or whatever, very like telling moment and like so what weird 2003 it was but like like talk to the hand hey hey are you gonna pay for that talk to the hand talk to the hand oh. is what they like used in in that scene and then it comes back later and yeah i just nauseating i feel like all these like wouldn't it be funny choices are just stupid it's stupid like all of this stuff is like him going into the the strip joint to get the clothes stupid the talk of the hand thing is stupid like why did they make the terminator stupid (laughs) well even the enemy which you were right ashley and we did talk about it like robert patrick is so cold menacing And just one of the greatest villains of all time because yeah. he's cold, menacing, and I feel like, oh shit, we might not make it. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean the entire group that was going through oh, T2. Yeah. But I was with them. I'm yes. with no one in this one. No. And- I don't feel fear for our main cast because when I watched T2 for the first time and I saw that T1000 turn into like that liquid metal, you know, and I literally... <laughs> I was just like, they're not going to survive this. How are they going to survive this? How do because you kill he this? is indestructible. Yeah. The It feels like they really did go down a peg with this villain because she does feel a little bit more analog, clunky, like heavy machinery. I think that the, the actual like robots in this movie are pretty cool. Well, the, the one, the big one, yeah. we were talking about the big uh, machinery, which um, oh, the I'll let you get to because I'm yeah. sure that's something yeah, that's, that you that's like about like, this movie. The, but, the, like... the TX, like arriving onto the scene was so bad, too, because she, yes. she arrives and she's Ugh. got perfectly put together hair and she's mm-hmm. wearing makeup. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? First of all. Why would she have... She's a machine. And then I think what they're trying to sell is, oh, but her sexuality is part of her weapon choices. Yeah, it's really strange. She, like, shows... Well, she shows up naked. I mean, Arnold does, too. Like, that that's the thing. They always show up naked. That's the but only I just, thing that made sense. 
Yeah, I just think it's, like, really annoying that the first person she comes into contact with and steals the look is, like, this fucking asshole woman in, like, a beamer or some shit. And she has to wear that outfit for the entire movie in, like, a tight bun. I'm like, I'm sorry, you are a killing machine. Get in some tactical gear and, like, fuck shit up. Or a t-shirt would be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Like, Robert Patrick chooses a cop for a reason. Yes. Yes, it's for manipulation. She is not using any manipulation. There's no reason she chose this woman. It's just, like, that's a woman who has clothing. Yeah, let's walk around and try to kill someone as, like, blending into society by being a hot supermodel? No! No, that's... Absolutely not. That's what was wrong with the original T-800 where they've got, like, a tank of a man walking around. Like, that was part of like what was funny what it would be i mean james cameron in the first movie didn't think it was funny he just thought they created the most menacing thing possible a giant mm-hmm. tank of a man that was the point because he didn't care about blending in it was smash i'm smashing everything t2 they've kind of made fun of it in a way where well not really make fun of it but i think he kind of like thought it was humorous they adapt yeah t-800 can't blend in he's a tank Mm -hmm. that's what was great about robert patrick is he completely blended in he can disappear into everything he the he has his voice he can change his voice to anybody he masks his appearance constantly he literally looks like the pattern of a floor he melts into the floor (laughs) like he's so adaptable that you're like that is a predator like if you were in the like in the rainforest, like that's a predator. Oh, good point. He could like camouflage himself. Yes, and she just like walks around in a leather s- suit that is so tacky. Uh, <laughs> very two thousand three. It's also very much like some person who is putting together wardrobes. Like, oh my god, she would look amazing in this. Yeah, it but that has like, nothing to do with her character. <laughs> yeah, it's like she looks like a rigid like bitch mom pta woman or something that like has a little bit of wealth like it's very strange i'm like she's a bad yeah she's definitely karening for the 2003 (laughs) vibe um but yeah like she should be badass all the time i never felt a sense of threat from her truly right and then and and like they they almost like try to combine the uh like T-1000 melting thing and the roboticness of Terminator in the first one. And it's like two strong things don't make one strong. Mm-hmm. Like it's two, they, they negate themselves almost because she's not fully like a T-1000 because she can just kind of, her skin basically just kind of comes off. And then like, yeah, the robot underneath is just big and clunky, like you said. Yeah. So like, yeah, the threat is gone by trying to combine all the different things that made Terminator scary and made it just lame. So Which makes me so mad <laughs> because like, I want like a badass woman. You don't give me, you don't give me Linda. You don't give me yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor. And then you give me this villain who is not threatening. Yeah. They somehow took two rights and made a wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. So how awesome would it be if they sent back a terminator that like was programmed off of sarah connor like how awesome yeah, would like, that you be you don't even need at that point you don't even need to cast linda hamilton no you just say the terminator is based on sarah connor so but it's also a terminator so it's fucking unstoppable dude what if sarah connor was like captured 
and like they literally programmed all of them to for her brain and that's how she died or whatever because she was captured or whatever that's like so much more of a like emotional story right and then it makes john's case a little bit of revenge yes. and then like yeah he's going after him and then the terminator has more significance as to why he's there the yeah, three they, of us could come up with like 14 different versions of a script that would have been better than this <laughs> yeah it's it, the whole thing is just like it, it's so bad that we can't even get into the, all the other problems because we just be talking for two three hours I mean, because like one of the things that irritates me so much is they now turn Sky, and this is so 2003, I think, oh, too. The Skynet they thing. turn Skynet into a virus that, mm -hmm. from what I remember from the first two ones, is Skynet is just turned on and it decides, hey, humans are our threat. Let's kill them. This one, they had to like camouflage it as a virus because I think that just matched into our computer technology of the day. Yeah, I read, like, not gonna lie, this movie, like, really, I could not grasp specifics about this one as I was watching it. Like, it so was, like, almost boring to me. Mm -hmm. And so I looked up the Wikipedia afterwards to, like, kind of figure out, like, if I missed anything, which I didn't really, because nothing was really happening. But I did see that they mentioned the virus as, like, oh, the virus was actually, like, with the time of which it was becoming sentient or whatever like it was becoming aware like the virus is like when the they were getting ready to like take over or something and i'm just like you don't need an explanation i understand that robots can become sentient yeah exactly <laughs> i don't need to know the algorithm for the exact moment well this reminds me a little bit of george lucas when he was doing all the politics and everything of the prequels where it's like nothing's interesting about the rise of Skynet. Mm -mm. Yeah, we get it. The, it came alive, it came sentient, it decided we we're the threat, it killed us. Then we have a war. The war's interesting. How the war yes. started, and even more interesting, how the war will end. And like, you just have a perfect transition to go into the future wars and kind of do some like wish washy movie logic of why Judgment Day came at a different time. And mm -hmm. then everything else is like e even going into Terminator Salvation. The war afterwards is new and more interesting. This, nothing's interesting. But I guess I will be nice and say the T1 ground assault vehicle was cool. It reminded me of Roto Robocop. No, yeah, the, the, some of their machinery that they do include in it was like really cool, but I just think it was so few and far between. Exactly. It's just like not enough. And and I, I've heard people say like, oh, the cane uh, or the crane chase scene is amazing in this movie. I was like, yeah, for three minutes, but it goes I on don't for even 15. Remember. <laughs> it's the car chase. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember. See, that's yeah. like how bad the it is. The first set piece in the movie. Well, because of it's three, like, of only three <laughs> it's like 10 to 15 minutes long and it yeah. goes way overboard you know maybe it's because they looked at it and they're like look how well james cameron put together this chase scene in the middle of the movie 30 minutes 45 minutes in we should do the same but there's even though it should be really cool and it should be memorable it's not because it just felt like a early 2000s early cg but still a little bit practical which i will give you they did do a lot of practice i will give them this they did do a lot yeah. of practical stuff which is cool so and the digital didn't look, look as atrocious either as i was anticipating yeah, right. yeah some of the the, the special oh, effects are not bad for this yeah, yeah. this time in this kind of movie they're That's pretty good gotta be surprising the money 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And like, I think it is, I think it's always better when you have a balance of practical and digital because like they rely on one another and they like make it feel more real. And so, yeah, I wasn't, I will give it that credit where it didn't take me out of it because of their poor digital effects. I thought they were okay. Yeah. And then like, like I, I was legitimately excited when we watched Salvation and the big robots from this one are back in that movie because I like the big rope. Well, I don't know what they're called, but the big robots that T1. are all practical, the T ones, yeah. they're cool. I like those. Uh, so I'm glad they were back in the, in the, the next one after this, uh, because that was one of the things I liked about this movie. I also like that they include those more like bulky, almost like prototypes uh, because like, yes, judgment day happens or whatever, but like, there's clearly an advancement of technology, like over time, like the Terminator from the first one, he's clearly like an advanced of that world. Mm. So seeing like the clunky robots in the beginning, and it's very heavy on machine machinery first versus human appeal, mm. then they can adapt into the human things and then fuck up with the past like that is so advanced technologically. Mm. So it is smart where they place this movie they can get away with using a lot less like heavy on the effects because technically it's the beginning of judgment day, mm. I guess, because is it truly judgment day? If it didn't happen when judgment day was supposed right. to happen, right? Is it even actually judgment day or is it something <laughs> else entirely? Yeah. Yeah. That pretty much ends all my good things. So, uh, you guys, <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to say, uh, and then you let them, mm-hmm. and I just interrupted you. <laughs> that's totally fine uh, but i just it was on what was, steve was saying of like the, the chasing one of the <laughs> things i think that is missing in this movie and doesn't give the movie any kind of a pulse like in these scenes and whatever the music the yes! score is so dead in this movie it's silent and i don't mean to talk shit. i like marco beltrami we just have been watching the screen movies he does an amazing oh. job in those films uh and like i like his scores typically like and he can adapt too. Like I, I really like his score for the Omen remake, which incorporates pieces of the original Omen score, but does its own thing. And like, so it could have been that situation with this, where it is it, including the Brad Fidel score, but also doing its own thing. But instead of doing like that, it does nothing. There's almost like no score throughout the whole movie. And in a movie where it's all talking because mm-hmm. there's no showing at all and it's all just telling you what's going to happen or what has happened and there's no actual action, you would need music to kind of give it a pulse. And this has no pulse. None at all. I feel like I, can, I can't I can remember anything except for the, at the very end of the credits it goes, dun, dun, dun. Like it, yeah, does, it does the classic. It does the the classic. End, that's it. Yeah, it is very quiet. You need music as a pacing element. I feel like they may have done that as a specific choice because they're like, it's supposed to be desolate and hopeless. But I'm like, I don't get that vibe. It just looks like they're in a suburb somewhere. (laughs) Talking about what just happened or what's going to happen, but not doing anything. Or what never happened. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of stock throughout this whole movie for like, the most expensive movie ever made at the time. I felt like the music, and I know this is like the ultimate insult and I feel bad in a way, but I mean, I just have to be honest. I felt like the music was a little stock action. We've seen Mm -hmm. it. I felt like the cinematography was kind of stock action. Yes. I thought the editing was kind of stock action. 
mm-hmm. and it's it just kind of like I and the performances yeah, honestly they just kind of like you know we're just on assembly line let's go to our next movie get our paycheck and let's keep going even though claire danes and nick oh i forgot his last name stall stall they have everything to like go 100 percent with in this film now, Claire Danes, I'll get a little bit of a break because she was brought on so late. She didn't get all the preparation. But everyone else, the only one who I really feel, even though I can't stand the character, the only one I really feel who is, like, bringing something to this where they're going 110% is Loken, the TX. I just mm. think her character sucks. So yeah. she's doing all these miming and really cool, like, menacing turns. She was pretending she was a robot. And I'm yes. like, you know what? Like, that's what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in his first mm-hmm. iteration. And I'm like, okay, so she looks like she studied. And she tried. But, like, the character, yeah. It just was not written properly. No, she was given a terrible character. But she tried her hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she put on, like, 15 pounds of muscle. Which I was like, how Covered you- entirely by that shitty outfit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> well, I was sitting there looking at her and go, wait, you put on 15 pounds? What did you look like before? You must yeah, have she must have been like a little. Because <laughs> she's thin. Yeah, she's teeny. She's pretty teeny. But that's awesome that like, see, that. So that's why that character is almost so disappointing to me because it's like seeing a strong woman, like she could like really kick ass at everything. But like she's so small and it is impressive that she's so strong and powerful. That's awesome. But like they're not giving her anything to do with that image they're trying to give her. No, I think they're trying to carry the entire character on her sexuality and her Mm -hmm. just being a woman. And that's annoying because you had something there. You could have, like, first of all, put her in combat boots or, you know, come on. Like, why is she walking around? Sensible shoes. Yeah, something. No, I truly think around this time, like, I think there was just, like, a trend in, like, rebooting things with a woman because, like, they're like, oh, it'll be edgy. And I'm like... You should be giving women opportunities based on more than just to stir things up (laughs) because like they're capable. But like if you're just going like, oh, we're literally going to take a fashion model and just put her here. There's no sense in it. It's like if you have like a a fighter, like a woman who fights constantly and like, yes, she did a great job. But like, again, the, the script did not allow her any interesting like connection with the her targets. Like, we never got a sense of her, like, thought process because I would say that in Terminator, you know exactly what he's thinking at all times. Right. You know, Strangely. Right. You know what his mission is. You see him working out how he can get from point A to point B in, in his mission. Nothing I mean will stop both him. Of both the villains, honestly. Uh, but this one, yeah, you don't even see that. You just see her fucking inflate her tits. <laughs> oh, oh God. my God. Yeah. <laughs> That is oh. bad. Yeah, the cop that I wanted. Like, why didn't she inflate her tits and then steal his cop uniform? Right. But then it would have been a knockoff of two even more. Exactly. Like, so. But you know there what? Was... Just leaving it with the tits is not good oh. enough. <laughs> how, about, how about you inflate your tits and then when he looks down, you chop his head off? You know, like. Exactly. Distraction for a purpose, not just yes. distraction because <laughs> look what we can do, guys. It's like, hey, look, you're disgusting and you deserve to have Well, to be honest, if someone's boobs grew in front of me, I'd look down too. Like, um, that's... Hey, are you okay? To, probably need to get that looked at. Here, 
I'm I'm gonna give you both like a little free pass if that truly happens in front of you. You just like seem as awkward as possible and back away and go, "Do you need assistance? Are you okay?" Oh, no, and I, then I just would, like I would run. I'd be like, "Nope, nope, nope." Seen this movie. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's perfectly fine. Uh, what the thing I was going to say that also connected to what you said, Steve, about like almost the chase sequences and stuff, because like I didn't watch T2 with you guys, but I technically kind of did watch it because Matt was watching it and we lived together. Uh, <laughs> still, counts. Um, still counts, but like that time span, I guess it, you could say that it's a little bit connected because the scene in T2 um, there's the scene in the facility, like the, the insane asylum or wherever she is. The chase with the car aspect after where he is like anchored to the car. Mm -hmm. Like that is so compelling and terrifying. And just the car part mm -hmm. is maybe about like a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. And that is so scary. Like that's such a good chase element. Right. That I just do not think was replicated at all. No, in they, this one. they just try to do too much. They were like, well, let's make it be 15 minutes long. But 15 minutes long doesn't mean it's interesting. I just need a minute of really cool shit. And maybe some fucking music behind it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the difference between a real artist like James, uh, I'm harder than hell to work for Cameron. And then mm -hmm. just some guy named Jonathan Mosto. I, I mean, the only thing I've ever seen, he's done Breakdown in U571, a few others. But really, when you look at his filmography, U571 was okay. I, enjoy I never even it, heard of it, but yeah, it's just a World War II submarine movie. That's yeah, break, Breakdown's amazing. Breakdown's yeah. an awesome movie, but it's not like he's not like a visual. He's a director for hire. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. It's like, so I think they were looking at this whole movie. They're like, we got to do everything bigger, better, amazing. And James Cameron doesn't purposely set out. It's just his vision usually includes breaking the mold because that's who mm -hmm. he's an artist he breaks the mold on purpose but he doesn't like okay we're gonna spend 50 jillion dollars on this one scene just because yeah everything is for a purpose mm -hmm. and i feel like this movie has so little vision yet spends so much money it's bloated and bullshit and one bloated the is a good word for the whole movie yeah and one of the things that always irritates me and i hate to keep going back to logan but one of the things that <laughs> irritates me about this time period and throughout the late 90s into the 2000s and beyond is why do all of our badass women also have to be breathtakingly or what do they call it where it takes your breath away beautiful? It, yeah. It irritates me. I'm not getting down on Logan's beauty. She's a beautiful woman. That's just, okay, that's the genetics she got. But what I'm irritated about is why do they always have to be? Why does it always have to be these th two things together? Like G.I. Jane and mm -hmm. a few other than when you look at um like the the Matrix films. Ugh, I forget her name, even though I really like her and I kind of don't want her. Oh, to use it. Um, oh Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. Trinity. A badass woman who's but I feel like she's more of the Linda Hamilton. Like, right. We're like there's a reason she she's not Logan. And I don't. I don't yeah, no. I see what you're saying because, like, yeah, it is. It's like they during this time, the late '90s, early 2000s, a strong female character also still had to be a supermodel. I think always. there's always. It's very funny because we've been talking about like we talked about our podcast and we look at like so many old movies, and we always talk about how the leading men and even the leading women in film a long time ago had this 
interesting look about them that made them attractive, but it wasn't stereotypically right. attractive. It wasn't supermodel attractive. Like Humphrey Bogart is known as like a handsome dude. His mouth is fucked up. Like he's got like crazy teeth, right? Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> but that that's his energy. Like it transcends through his energy. Right. And even like, I don't know, they try to make a Vivian Lee super crazy looking and old and what is it? Streetcar named, Streetcar named Desire. Desire, you know, but like she's like it, it's, it puts you in a trance so there is totally that focus in the late mid to late 90s and all the way through the ten, the 2000s honestly <laughs> like i think it's finally getting fixed now yeah the 2010s where it truly was that supermodel hot you had to look be cookie cutter and you had to be good at everything but you have to be hot yeah and i know hot was the thing and like it's a it's a weird thing because like linda linda hamilton is is obviously a super she's a leading attractive lady. woman and she's a you know a, a, had a great career as an actress and stuff like that and uh you know is good looking but like what made her so attractive was her that realness. she was a badass not that how she looked you know what i mean and that she isn't a supermodel she's interesting looking she's got those big eyes and then in the second movie she's like literally Locked in a cage, basically, of like insanity, like yeah, that they're they're she's fucking ripped in that. Yes, one, she's know? ripped as fuck, but like you can tell that she's been inside. They take time to do the makeup of how she would look in this situation, and like you're like, oh, she's like literally being, she's locked up, but she is becoming ripped from it. So like that's more of a leading lady look versus just the stereotypical cookie cutter hot blonde girl yes <laughs> well i mean that's kind of like the irritation of all the fast and the furious is like all yes. their tough girls i'm doing air quotes because I, I can't i can't remember all the females i can't remember i would say that characters. michelle rodriguez is the closest to like you can be a badass okay. and like a yeah. normal fucking person she's beautiful i think she's beautiful yeah. but like but she's but, not a supermodel. You know what like I mean? Like Jordana yeah. Brewster is like a thin little wafy thing. Yeah, she's more <laughs> of the supermodel type. Yes. Whereas, yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, who is sort of take, being one of the people to take over the franchise. She's known as being a badass, right. not a pretty face. Right, but she is pretty. She is pretty. You know, but like it's not, yeah, it's, it, but she's not being cast because of that. You yeah. Know? Well, I, yeah, I, I would just like them to, to not be afraid to cast. Like we already cast a lot of males that aren't good looking into to oh that's like a main thing that's i like would say thing. yeah that's why like we've done that for years if they're interesting looking they gotta at least be interesting looking i think what irritates me about hollywood and they've gotten better about it certainly like if someone mm -hmm. can knock it out of the ballpark figure out how to use them and not just like okay uh can you get me um blonde one brunette two and redhead mm -hmm. three bring them here They've got the look. We'll figure it out. Just don't give them a lot of lines, you know. It's and I like, think that's kind of like the mistake in like casting for this film. Not saying that anything is like necessarily looks based because, like we said, she, the was it Logan? Is that what yeah, it means? Yeah. She like really did her homework. She yeah. really did that. The the role I feel like maybe was written lighter because they wanted to get a hot woman. Yeah. You know, and I think she took it upon herself to do like her actor actorly duties of going above and beyond with that but like this casting process it's like you got the star that's nostalgic you got arnold 
the dude, I I truly don't know the John Connor. I I don't I don't like him as John Connor. Right. And this is the one John Connor I really don't like so far. This is like I have only seen one and two, so three and four are like recent for me. And yeah. this John Connor three was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, even even Nick saw like like Claire Danes. I like him in other stuff. He's great in Sin City. He's the yellow bastard. Uh, he's I like him a lot in Disturbing Behavior. I like Nick Saw. It's just bad casting. But I can imagine that him at the time, maybe he was like a cute young dude. They maybe yeah. wanted some girls to come to the movies or right, something right. like that. Yeah, for sure. For him as like, oh, he's like a quirky, alternative, hot John Connor or whatever. But instead, they need to be looking at the chemistry yeah. on the screen. And that was a huge mistake for this whole movie. And, and another mistake was Nick Stahl and Arnold Schwarzenegger's chemistry is not non-existent there. it's terrible so yeah he's definitely the problem in this film and i agree with matt i loved him in sin city as the yellow bastard and i really like him in carnival that only lasted two seasons it's just i want to watch not, that is that good <laughs> it's weird and i love it it's because weird it's okay wonderfully weird okay <laughs> it's, it's hbo taking a chance yeah for sure and then giving up on that chance because I don't know. No one really knows why they gave up. Maybe it cost too much money. I don't know. Maybe at the time. I'm not really going to go into behind the scenes on this because I think we've made our points on all facets of this film. We did it justice. We've told you that if you like this film, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this film, I'm curious like what aspects like really spoke to you. Like maybe you enjoy the Terminator franchise for other reasons. I, I don't, I couldn't imagine which one, but if you do cool. <laughs> if, what, what if, I would like to hear too. Like if you're on our, you know, you're one of our listeners, don't be afraid to write on our Facebook page or wherever email, you know, analog Jones, mm -hmm. TOF at gmail.com. Tell us why you like it because we might be missing something. I can't see it. So you know, see if you can, uh, I'm not going to say make us like it because there's no way enlighten us on like your perspective. <laughs> uh, like I'm trying to connect with myself a little bit here because when I first saw this movie in theaters and it came out, granted I was 13 years old. And so of course I liked this movie. I didn't love it. I was like, okay, it's not the first two, but I like it. But every time I've seen it since I've liked it less and less. And like the last like two times I've seen it, I have not liked this movie. You like, liked at all. the movie because it's a return to something you hold dear. You were yeah. such a huge fan right. of it back then, and like uh, when you were a little boy and you loved something, and now you're a teenager and it's coming back. Yeah, and maybe, it's Arnold. Like it was probably awesome. Yeah, it was probably just exciting for me. Maybe mm -hmm. seeing it like in the theater. You know, I hadn't seen the first two in theaters because I was so young. Mm -hmm. So I, the first one I'm getting to see in theaters, Arnold's back. It's a Terminator movie. Fuck yeah. But like, it, it's I can't connect to my brain and see like what thing about the movie I like. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Now, because of like the last few times I've watched it, I've disliked it so much <laughs> that, yeah, I don't even know what I liked about it in the first place. Yeah. I've actually lightened up on this movie, and I still hate it. <laughs> like, that's just, when I first got out of the theater, I was so hell-bent on, like, it destroyed the opinion of T1 and T2, and now I'm more like, yeah, it did that, but it also just a shitty script with bad characters. You know, like, like actors that didn't have much to do, good actors that didn't have much to do with their character. Like, 
there's just so much more now. But I, I think it's funny that I still cannot stand this movie, and I've actually lightened up on my old age with it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a familiarity thing, I guess. Like you're getting, if you already didn't like it, you're like, all right, well, why else am I fucking watching this movie? <laughs> like I had never seen this movie. Um, I'm sorry. I'm newer to the Terminator franchise. Uh, yeah, I know. I had to watch it for this I'm one. Sorry, we. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I've always like wanted to kind of like catch up on all of them because it wasn't till college when I like sat down and actually watched T1 and T2. Like I had seen like obviously like iconic moments from the movies and I I knew what it was. Like I knew the characters just because in our pop culture Terminator is like it's a huge franchise. It's a part of our lives. <laughs> so like, even though I hadn't seen it, I was familiar enough. And I feel like that's a lot of people. They may have not seen it, but they know what it is. And um, so this was a first watch and I was so bored. <laughs> well, I see, I hate watch it, <laughs> but I still, <laughs> I'm with you there. Like I, I fell asleep during, you know, watching this and then I woke up and I'm like, well, I got to finish it folks. Gotta do it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I think, didn't we watch it in two parts? We did. We split it over. We had to go to bed, and then we woke up and watched it again the next day, the second half. Yeah. Because it, it snooze. It puts you to sleep. Yep. We're all getting old. You can tell. Like, we fall asleep. <laughs> well, gotta get up and finish it. All right. I think, uh, are we ready to go on to the museum? Anything else? I don't think so. No, I'm good. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go off into our museum. We're like Indy. We go into the jungle and bring something back. It's number three and our in the third section of our Terminator wing. So I'm going to let <laughs> our guests find something good or bad to put in it. Show it off to our guests that actually... Pay a zero dollar amount of money to come into our museum. We we need to start charging, Matt. <laughs> yeah, right. Truly. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I already have my thing. I'm ready to go for it. Go for it. The thing I would like to put in the museum, because like I think it's something that is just like representative of the year two thousand three. I'm putting in that fucking shitty red snakeskin suit. <laughs> that the TX wears. That the TX wears. <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's obviously terrible. And I think it is not representative of a Terminator character. I just don't. I think it's a misfire. But I do think it should be remembered because of just that year. 2003 is such a perplexing year. <laughs> It truly was. So it's almost like a historical moment as well as like a big flop for this movie. So I'm putting that suit in there. I love how much you dislike that suit. I, I was bothered the second it was on her and Matt was like, she's going to be in it the rest of the time. With heels, with, with stilettos. Not even oh, I'm talking her whole outfit. <laughs> like we can have a mannequin with the styled bun too. Like it's from head to toe that outfit. I agree the outfit's bad. So a negative museum uh, entry, but one that I think is lasting in its impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah very could... telling of the time, like the movie mm -hmm. itself. <laughs> we could definitely have the villain suits where you have the first Arnold suit, you know, with the yes. thumbs up next to it. Then we have T2, the T1000 suit with the thumbs up next to it. And then it's, 
that it's the T3, the TX, with your face with, like, a frown. Truly. I think that would be an amazing in, like, a museum exhibit. Like, yeah, just the comparison of the villains. Yeah, and Ashley's what not to do in a movie. Yes. What not to wear in a movie, for sure. (laughs) Okay, Matt. Go number two, and then I'll finish this off. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put something else bad in here, and I think it's a, it's another thing that sort of signals the rest of the movie, and that's just the talk to the hand thing, mm. and sort of that whole era, or air of stupidity that is surrounding the way the Terminator behaves, the humor in this movie that's all wrong. Like, it's just, it's not funny, it's stupid, and I feel like the talk to the hand thing represents just sort of the the failure and the misfire that this movie really was. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, I'm going to make it a, a sweep. I've got a negative one too. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to change the story, you can't shit on the first two. You got to find a way to not do Like the whole taking away your fate, you know, what fate mm-hmm. is what we make it. That has made, I've lightened up on it, but it has made me so mad from the day I watched this in the theater where they're just like, Oh, judgment day's coming anyway. T one, T two kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And that irritates me so much. Normally I would put in something good where it was like the T one, the T 100. I don't mm-hmm. I think it's just T one, but I don't know, you know, where it's like a full built robot that worked. That's what yes. was amazing. It was a fully functional robot made by Stan Winston studio where, you know, you have all these people with these hours of love labor creating this, but it still isn't good enough to overshadow the bad of this script. Well, also it's not heavily featured. It's just not. And it's like, yeah, it's really exciting to see those. And I, I, that would be a positive thing I would put in as well. Like, that's just like a really cool, that's maybe the thing from this movie. That's like a good image. But it's not big enough. To- <laughs> but it's not big enough and it's barely featured at yeah. all. <laughs> so a nice job, Rise of the Machines, and the entire, I don't know, 14, 15, maybe even 20 people making decisions on this film that basically <laughs> just ruined it. Yes. It, it really felt like, I, I told Ashley when we watched it, I just felt like it was like McDonald's Terminator. Mm-hmm. And just <laughs> like in that, like, it's mainstream. It's not good for you. It doesn't fill you up. You know, it's just, it's McDonald's Terminator, unfortunately. Yep, it's just a Frankenstein McDonald's Terminator. Is that what we're calling it? (laughs) All right, before we leave this one and remind them what we're doing next week, Ashley, Matt, remind them of your podcast. Yeah, Matt and I do another podcast called the AF High List. That's A-F-H-I-G-H-L-I-S-T. Um, where we're getting stoned and watching a lot of prestigious movies. Like we've watched Schindler's List. We've watched Gone with the Wind. We've watched like all these big, huge movies while we're stoned and we judge them and usually go on a million tangents. So it's a fun time. We get stoned and we talk about the hundred greatest movies of all time and Batman Forever a whole lot. Yes. (laughs) That's funny. This podcast Absolutely. has a lot of Batman forever. <laughs> and truly, our podcast, we do mention the Terminator, like Terminator 1 and 2, like constantly, because yeah. we always yeah. make the joke that the best film of all time is Terminator 2, then Casablanca, then Terminator, then Robocop? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the correct order. Those are the correct order of films. So we will be writing the 
American Film Institute very soon <laughs> to let them know of the revisions that need to be made. Yes. No, yeah, I caught the uh, the ET one, and I, I believe oh with Laura, yeah, <laughs> I believe somewhere in there T two came up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think most episodes it does. It literally came up in our last episode again. I feel like it. I feel like it comes up a lot when we're we're dealing with like a filmmaker who is like so like Steven Spielberg. Like, yeah. So it's like Steven Spielberg, James Cameron. Like, there there's a connection there. Yeah, yeah. But right. uh, yeah, we uh we made it through fifty now, so you could listen to all fifty of the original episodes. Plus, we do little high takes, mm-hmm. uh, which are like side things that you know pertain to stoner culture or pop culture or pop culture with stoner cult, you know like stuff like that yeah we've been we've been smoking our way through the 100 greatest films and we're halfway through it now and we're excited to continue to the second half of the list and because we're in quarantine there's plenty of time for episodes <laughs> to get high and watch movies <laughs> well, but it is also coronavirus and we oh. are sad so it is you know it's when we can <laughs> when i say plenty of i mean there's like probably an episode a week <laughs> you gotta find some positives in this so you'll drive yourself nuts so exactly but and it's fun it's always very fun but yeah yeah that's quite an accomplishment 50 and then you got i know 50. that's that's uh so you're you're at the midpoint and the rest of it's downhill from here that's literally what i said and i was like oh but it's kind of true because we started with the best movie on the list and we are going through like <laughs> the opposite direction <laughs> I love it. I love the the back ass act. You know, like yeah, backwards. It's just funny. <laughs> yeah, we but we we do have some like fun ones coming up. I think Spielberg's on there at least two more times coming up. So we're we're gonna have a fun time. Yeah, and uh, we've got Philadelphia Story is up next. Is mm-hmm. like our next episode that'll come out after our fiftieth uh, look back episode. So look out for those two. Not to yeah. be confused with the Vidmark classic, The Philadelphia Experiment. No. There's like a lot of Philadelphia movies. Yeah, my mom thought we were going to watch uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is Philadelphia. And I was like, no, not quite as sad. Yeah, Philadelphia's name, and that city gets dropped into a lot of titles. Yeah. yeah. But I think this one's like a screwball comedy, right. so I'm pretty excited right. about it. <laughs> All right, that'll end it this week. Go check them out on the AF High List and come back next week for Terminator Salvation. And Ashley will be back. Yeah, by popular demand. (laughs) That's right. And this one is one she specifically wanted to be a part of. Of course. That's going to be a lot of fun. So come back next week and remember to be kind. Rewind. Dun 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 d